Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. We want to start by saying thank you so much, listeners, for taking the time out of your day to listen to this. We also want to say thank you to our sponsors who provide so much support for us. If you manage to kill that dream whitetail buck or maybe that bull sprig, check out Whitetail Classics Taxidermy, owned by Jody Schultz out of Louisville, Nebraska. Basically can put together whatever you can dream up. So check them out at whitetailclassicstaxidermy.com or his Facebook and if you want to talk to him today or book something, call him at 402-630-0031. Next up is Spores Wet Basement Solutions. Their services include water damage and crack repairs, landscaping, concrete driveways, grading, and more. Their recommendations provide solutions that are a long-term and not temporary fix. They do it right the first time. If you want additional information, you can check out spores.com or contact them at 402-476-8588. If you're like me and like to drive your wife nuts every season with a new duck or goose, call right, baby. Yep. Pretty much. Call, uh, check out B. Hoover Custom Calls. Brent Hoover out of North Pot, Nebraska is one of the best that comes around. He actually uh, got second at Best of Show at NWTF Nationals. Awesome guy. Personal friend of the family. Actually helped my dad harvest his bull elk. He specializes in wood, duck, and goose calls, turkey pots, dog whistles, and shotgun shell teal whistles. Awesome guy. Check him out at behoovercustomcalls.com. If your vehicle gets disgusting like my husband does during hunting season, (laughs) check out Dirty Devil Detailing. They do interior and exterior detailing as well as headlight restoration and more. They also are certified in glass parency and take anything from vehicles, boats, jet skis, ATVs, and motorcycles. The devil is truly in the detailing. They're located in Omaha, Nebraska, and if you want additional information, check them out on dirtydevildetailing.com. If you're like me and have taken a few L's here this early season and wow, 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 pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) If you're like me and taking some L's and you really want that perfect hunt with the buddies and just get out there and enjoy what's going on and have to worry about anything, check out the other guys' outfitters. They do an incredible job of uh, dry field duck and goose hunts. You can check out their pile picks on Facebook. And if you're wanting to book a hunt today, call Crager at 308. 637-7777. If you're needing some professional photography done, check out My Business Faithful Images. Our mission is to faithfully capture images of God's creation in time that will one day serve as a memory. We do anything from infants, couples, families, seniors, weddings, announcements, and more. Check it out at faithfulimages.org or on Instagram and Facebook. If you're ever sitting there during COVID and thought to yourself, I really need to get on that dream hunt. I don't know. What what's going to happen in life, but I need to get in that dream hunt. Check out Chaku Peru. He does hunts in the U.S., South America, and Europe. If you've seen some of his pics or videos, if you haven't, jump on his Facebook or Instagram. Has some incredible hunts and does some incredible things. Uh, check him out at chakuperu.com for more details. Our last sponsor is Redbeard's Custom Calls. They specialize in acrylic duck and goose calls. Andrew made me one of the a one-of-a-kind marble white and hot pink dunk call. It sounds incredible. It looks amazing. If you want more information, check it out on Facebook. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for the support, and let's go ahead and jump in the podcast.
Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. It's Hunter Dottle. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode. Uh, we got something a little different scheduled today, but today I got my co-host with me. Chew poppy. Chew poppy cholo. Jeremy, how we doing, buddy? What up, dog? You know I'm doing. doing you doing good? good? Yeah. And then we got the silence. Terrell. Trowel, as we call him sometimes. I'm back. Back. <laughs> back again. No, he was in the last one. I but was uh, he, was, he was pretty quiet. <laughs> I didn't know what they were talking about. Honestly, That's on me. Honestly, I didn't expect him to like get in on the podcast. I just told him to be here because, well. We're doing the podcast. Yeah, we're doing now. two podcasts tonight. And the first one. I, this is round two. No, I, I, I was. Incredibly tired. I was looking forward to your input, but then you're just kind of quiet. I was like, I'll, I'll roll with it. Plus, like, <laughs> we're talking about South Dakota waterfowl, and that just it just gets me excited. So if you know sorry. what I mean. They just kept talking, and I didn't, it was above me. I had nothing to add. <laughs> Jordan's a talker. I yeah, could talk talking. to him all day, but yeah, yeah, he, he, had, he had lots to say, honestly. That's okay. Yeah. Because well. I, I actually really enjoyed conversation. Yeah. If you guys haven't yet checked it out, uh, Jordan Locker from Dakota Film, Not Doors. He also runs a podcast, so check his stuff out. But let's jump into today's episode. So I'm going to frame this a little bit, uh, talk to the guys a little bit. Um, this is something a little more serious that I want to get into because it's, it's been an issue that shows up in a lot of guys' lives. And I think that for a couple of reasons, the people that I'm going to get real dark with this for a <laughs> second, so just hold on with me. The people that commit suicide at the largest rate by percentage is middle-aged males. Now, I don't want to get into real, the reasons, but let's be honest, middle-aged males, you got a family. You got a job, you got a lot of stress in your life financially. You got a. There's just so many things coming from left and right on you that creates so much pressure that it gets to the point where you know you decide to take your life, and it it's it's a horrific thing. And I think the other thing too about talking to this population, especially with hunters, and talking to the people that we do, I think there's a significant amount of veterans that listen to this podcast, which I really appreciate. I love you guys. Appreciate your service. Let's be honest. Like you guys went through, through some crap and I got a very, very close buddy that is a veteran and like dealing with, especially like the Afghanistan stuff this, you know, this summer when let's be honest, the Biden administration might as well just kick themselves in the nuts and then shot themselves in the foot. And then I don't know, threw themselves on some stairs. It is what it is. Dropped the ball. He, Joe Biden crapped his pants. That's just a normal day. But it is it is what it is, and, like, it really took a toll on him. Now, framing this conversation with the mental, we're talking about mental health, and we're talking about mental health in the outdoors because we, I think and I believe that the outdoors is one of the best places to work through mental health issues other than a therapist. Like, if you need to be in a professional healthcare system and dealing with it, Obviously, that's a different level, but like dealing with strength, stress, anxiety, and some of the mental health issues on a day-to-day business or you know basis, outdoors is one of the best places to do it. So, kind of framing it that way. I know it's kind of a heavy podcast, but it needs to be talked about because here's the thing: everybody deals with anxiety, and I'm going to sit here and say that <clears throat> it's hard for me to drop my pride and be honest with you. I have dealt with some health health issues that I thought were significant health issues, and I think they're just based on anxiety. 
and I carry that anxiety and deal with anxiety every day. So that's just me being personal and forward. And I think that I might as well bring you in here. So Terrell, I, you, you messaged me, you want to talk about this. So I'm going to give you a chance to step back and kind of tell your story. Yo, <laughs> I know that a big lead in, but big, huge lead in all this, all this talk you said, and then all of what I'm about to say, and you guys don't, you can feel free to jump in. So was it last week? Cause I mean, heard the podcast. I just didn't, uh, it would have been day. two weeks ago when we two talked about the, elk hunting, about the elk hunting podcast. Thanks for the invite. Uh, Actually, I did try and invite you, but you were busy. I was busy. It's probably Heidi's fault. Love that girl. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, should. I do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, and talking about the elk hunts, and then Jeremy uh, explained that I left early due to issues. Uh, didn't say what issues, and uh, at the time I hadn't told him what issues. Uh, I don't know when it started. I don't. I had been. Earlier and if I had to recount, year. I remember you really enjoying opening Big Duck. I think it had to have been somewhere in between that and when we went to Colorado. I don't, I don't even know because, like, you know, you see it on like I've, if you talk to anybody during school or anything like that. It's all these are the signs. Like you lose all your interests and you just feel like there's nowhere to go. That all the depression signs. Like I sold my, I love, I love riding motorcycles. Uh, I sold my motorcycle because I didn't want to do it. Miss that. Uh, <laughs> definitely will be purchasing another motorcycle. But I, at the time, I was like, oh, I just don't want a motorcycle because I, I don't want one. I didn't have. I was like, I was just selling it. Didn't really have a reason other than I didn't want it because I didn't want to, you know, go out and ride. And then hunting season started, and I went on like. Well, teal, teal. I will not. I will not call any of that my fault. There was one thing that I couldn't like get around, and then I went the second weekend, I think, second or first, and then the last weekend I was in Missouri, yeah. for I think, uh, fiance's like it was a birthday party for one of her family members. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even teal hunted if I wanted to. And then big duck. I opening morning. Did I go any after that? No, I yeah, don't, I don't think, think I you went ever after that. Uh wasn't sleeping well. Uh, sleep's a big part of that. Tried to fix some of that and uh we got or uh I say we loosely, Jeremy and Joe got their elk tags. I was like, sweet. Uh, go to Wyoming. Love Wyoming. Uh beautiful. Get out there. And then Jeremy said he was gonna try for that elk tag in Colorado. For a little more reference, as if you didn't listen to that podcast where we talked about elk hunting, oh yeah, I got a tag to go hunt with uh, our buddy John, which we hadn't all seen in a couple years. So yeah. Trell was quite excited um, going into the trip to be stoked. able to see John, and um, yeah, get John on the podcast. <laughs> oh gosh, John, John could be able to. John could talk for four hours. We'd never stop talking. It'd be a two part podcast. <laughs> so going into this, so. Okay, so you're going to Colorado. Mm-hmm. You guys get out there. Get out there. Uh, what are those? What are the trees called that you call them? Oh, the Quakies. The Quakies, the mountains, the snow. I don't know what it is. If it's wet, I like the hunt more. If it's raining, give me that hunt. If it's snowing, give me that hunt. There's nothing wrong with a dry hunt. But, oh, nine that, to five times ten if there's 
if there's any moisture. Yeah. I love it. We're enjoying the scenery, scouting, set up our uh, camp. camp. Thanks. Words is hard. Set up our camp, scout the next day, John out there the next day. Uh, then that 12-mile kick, 12-mile <laughs> kick, and I was I – was, we got to the top of one of the mountains, or the mountain we were on. Yeah. And we were looking, and then we sat there for like 15 minutes, and then we were like, all right, we're, we're going to go a different way. And I got separated from the both of them, actually. I was climbing over the uh, – Yeah, that was kind of stupid. I didn't talk about that. We had a bunch of laydowns, and we just kind of... John went one way, me and Trell started going another way, and then, like, Trell got behind me. I could hear him climbing around, but... Yeah, I I couldn't see Jeremy. I was like, I'm lost, but I'll get... I'll find him again. (laughs) I'm sure sure I just missed him. I probably wasn't lost at all. I had no idea where John was. I'm climbing over these... The blowover, or... Laydowns. Laydown. Laydown trees. And I'm like, this sucks, but I, I can get through it. I get through everything. Uh, fell off a few times. Uh, it was like, eh, yeah, no, it's getting worse. I you, couldn't, you could not move a foot without having to climb over trees. It was terrible. Uh, about the last, I don't know, 15 feet between me and what I call freedom, uh, I, <laughs> the, the number one rule of hunting since I, since I started – with Jeremy three, four years ago, and the few times I went when I was a kid, you don't be loud. Like, (laughs) if you can step loud, or you try not to step loud, but you might every so often, but the rule is don't be loud. And I got up onto one of the the, uh, branches or trunks, and it, like, slipped, and I fell down, and I hit on my butt hard, and I went... I am not doing this shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am done with all of this crap. Yeah, and I, I, Trell had finally caught up to me because I was standing in that clearing that he was clearing, if you want to say that, just the lack of laydowns. Yeah. Um, and he, he literally did that, and I, like, wide-eyed look back at him like, what in the world just happened? And, of course, in my mind, I'm like, dude, Granted, I know we're climbing through all those laydowns, but in my head, I still was like, hey, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, even after I, I said that, I was like, why did I do that? There, there might have been something around. Like, yeah. That was, that was dumb. But then we got, I got out of that, and then we had that big hill, the, uh, yeah, the like, 90-degree one. It wasn't. It was it was, like, but it was we steep. went. We climbed about 400 feet at a 45-degree angle. Literally, the only thought in my head was, all right. I'm out of I'm out of fence post because there was a fence dividing private and public. I was at a fence post and we were climbing up on on the on the public. Obviously, let me let me make that clear. Um, I would get I would like I would stop at a fence post. I go okay. I get four breaths, then I got to go four posts. So I'd breathe four times, four posts. Stop, breathe four times, four posts. Up four hundred feet. Obviously, got to the top. Um, Sat down, ooh, 10, 15, we sat, we, we, sat. we sat there for a while because, we were, <laughs> we, yeah, we were dying. And, and John was like, oh, this is a nice stroll. Well, John John was the first one going up, so he had been sitting there the and longest. But John lives in Colorado. Yeah. He does this more often. But by the time we got to him, he was already ready to go. And Gotcha. So John, John probably got like a 45-minute break, honestly. 
You looked like you were about to pass I, out. Yeah, I was like, I was feeling my lungs. And then I looked down and I was like, oh, we can just slide down the hill. Like it's a downhill slope. This would be easier. And we actually legitimately did slide down the hill. Yeah, so <laughs> we went up that 400 foot, uh, you know, climb. And then we came over the other side and it went right back down at a 45 degree. And so it had snowed the two days prior and then it was almost 60 degrees that day. Yeah. So just imagine the side of that hill. This is three 30 in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> it was really, that was really fun. Honestly, we legitimately like ang- angled our heels and slid down the hill. It was fun. I definitely did think that John broke his ankle at one point. John he worked hard. Like, so did I did not biff as hard, but it wasn't like a soft landing. And you, I remember you biffing it. Is that I? I mean, I never would full blown biffed it. See, I was smart. I let it. I let everybody go down before <laughs> <Yeah>. me, <laughs> and so I'm like just barely like going down it, sliding. But yeah, that was that was good. We got down to the bottom. We picked a route, uh, and eventually wrapped around to where we had scouted the day before, and then to the road up towards our camp because we kind of just our camp was set off like thirty feet from a. Uh, road you could drive on yeah walk to that back to the camp i was legitimately like focusing on picking up my feet it kicked my ass like i got thrown six different ways to sunday on this trip picking up my feet going the uh, going forward got to the camp unloaded everything off our backs i mean uh jeremy and john started making dinner and i kind of slumped in the chair Dogs were going ham. I kind of slumped down in a chair, and then I moved into my cot. And I just sat there, and I was like, uh, that sucked. That was not fun even a little bit. I hated that. Like, why did I even come? I don't have a tag. I'm literally here to camera. I'm like, I'm a cameraman here. I, I get no reward, except I get to, like, I, I record. That's it. I get to see people do cool things. Like, why am I here? Yeah. Which I, not to that extent, that was easily the hardest quote unquote hunt because we didn't really, we didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. Yeah. The the quote unquote hunt that I'd ever been on. I've been the camera, I've played cameraman before and I've been fine with it, but that just like kicked me over. I was like, eh, I, I have no interest in doing such things. So John and Jeremy were, Doing their thing. Uh, Jeremy's definitely making dinner. And I uh, got my phone out because it was seriously like we were in a, we were like in, the the signal was amazing. Yeah, we had, it was crazy. We were in a great spot. And I texted uh, Heidi, my fiance, love you, because I'll force you to listen to this. <laughs> um, I texted her. I was like, I'm either I'm either gonna suck it up, and I'm gonna continue this uh, the hunt out because it was a week long roughly or i'm literally never touching a gun again like this was terrible and i explained to her everything i just said into the mic now and she was like i think you should i think you should keep trying and i was like i don't want to i really don't like i legitimately hate hunting at the moment i don't want to do this and yeah as the night as the night and text progressed I said, hey, I don't know if you can, 
like, I need you to come pick me up. And she was like, I, you need to be sure of this because once I'm leaving, I'm not, I'm not going to turn around when I'm halfway to Colorado because we live in Lincoln. And I was like, I'm a hundred percent sure you need to come, you need to come get me. And then I, uh, rolled over so nobody would see me and I just, uh, balled myself to sleep. And then I woke up and Heidi's like, I'm two hours out. And so I told Jeremy and John, I was like, yep, uh, Heidi's coming to get me. She's two hours away. Uh, so, yeah, that was the deal. So I need, you, I need you to come down. I need you to drive me down, Jeremy. So flip, from, flip to my perspective on this a little bit. Like, I knew we had had a tough day. Yeah. And I didn't talk about this whole scenario completely on our elk hunting podcast. And I get that this probably sounds like just another part of that elk hunting podcast, but it's not meant to be. Um, I had no idea what was going on, and to put it in perspective, oh, yeah. put it put it in perspective. Trail's my cousin. We've grown up together. Uh, we have been more like brothers than anything. I mean, I get it. Obviously, we're already family, but I we've gone to some places and we've done some things together. We've done done a lot of hunting together. Enjoyed that camaraderie. Yeah, and we both were super pumped for this trip. And after that day, after Saturday and the 12 miles that we did, we were all dead. But I do know that, like, I knew Terrell, like, no offense, I knew he was going to be struggling a little harder. He made some critical errors by not bringing water or the right kind of a water. I, I had a big bottle instead of, like, a bladder. Yeah. So I had to stop, unpack everything, which was, I mean, it was just clothes, and then get the water, pack everything up. And I then, was kind of slowing us down. And then he didn't bring any food with him. So, like... Yeah. Which I have had experiences that made me know that that, you know, as a bat, that's a no go. Like, you don't do that. You make sure you have those things. But so I knew he was struggling, and we had a really long day, and we were all just kind of sitting at camp. I was making food, and at one point, I literally was like, Trail, you want some food? And he didn't even respond. He just shook his head, yes. And I, was, I basically forced, forced him to feed eat well, yeah he force fed me no, yeah he's he, like you're did you you're baby eating. bird him no i didn't baby I, bird I tried him. to convince him <laughs> but, uh. Shoot. Uh, <laughs> but so i knew he was in a mood i knew that like something was going on but i couldn't pinpoint it yeah i and made it a point not to say anything to anyone like i hinted to heidi that i was obviously like i was at hating hunting at the moment but i didn't tell her to what extent it was at i was like i'm just not gonna do it anymore well and he didn't you didn't even say anything that like that to us on that trip but like at one point i asked you what was going on and you're like i just don't want to be here like that was terrible i hated yeah. every second of it yeah, no. and then you pretty much finished the statement with like it was bad enough that i'm almost about to tell heidi to come get me and i was like at that point i was like we, we we drove nine and a half hours yeah. to Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> so, and like, I was freaking out. I was like, well, what am I going to do if Terrell leaves? I mean, not that I wouldn't be able to deal with it, but, and then later that night, which knowing what I know now about your situation, I understand it more. But in the moment I was furious because yeah. you just texted me like Heidi's coming to get me. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, and I texted him. Yeah, I, not, I didn't tell him the next day. And and I was, I literally did. I sat there and looked at my phone for like fifteen minutes, and then I was just like, "Okay, just make sure you have your stuff." Yeah, I didn't know what was going on. 
I just, in my, like, from my view, I thought you just were giving up. Like, it was just too just too difficult yeah. for you. Like, you weren't prepared for the trip. I didn't know that you were having, like... Insane issues. Yeah. yeah. And so this is all about, like, this whole podcast is all about, and I'm not trying to, like, say you didn't do a good job explaining Terrell. Um, this whole podcast is about mental health, but we're going through a problem that Terrell dealt with this fall. In particular, I'm not trying like, to... And, well, like, the, the whole stories are to get somewhere. Like, yeah. we have a plan with this. <laughs> well, it's it's coming from the fact that, okay, you dealt with a di- difficult experience, a different a difficult day. But that we all deal with difficult yeah. days when we're hunting. And, like, you and Jeremy have been in, in experiences where you've been in difficult, hard, rough scenarios. You know, like, we talked about that, that, that deer podcast a while mm-hmm. back where you guys had to grind for a week and finally yeah. got one. Yeah. Like you, it's not about the fact that you had difficult days is just be, it was the fact that the mental capacity at the time, like you were struggling but, mentally and like as much as guys want to admit it or not, your mental mental affects your physical more than you're willing to admit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's where the breakdown was of, of this whole, like this trip. So, like mentally, where were you when you got okay? Heidi, Heidi's gonna pick you up. So, so where like, where do you go from there? So we drove down the mountain. We I think we said two words to each uh, other. Yeah. It was it was not good. Uh, Heidi got there, uh, like ten minutes before us. That road, I don't know. Did you talk about the road in the last podcast? It was, yeah, it was. It a, was rough. It was a yeah. It was a mess. It was rough. Um, so we just went down the mountain, drove to the, uh, the, like the trade center that's over there. Just a gas station. Like a gas station store thing. Uh, transferred all my stuff. Did I give you money for gas? Uh, I don't uh, remember. Not, not an important part of the story. <laughs> transferred everything. I just remember. Jeremy rem- took off. Yeah. Uh, I went into the store, got a drink, and then took over driving for Heidi because she drove nine hours from, like, what would be 5 a.m. our time. So we were going home, stopped, got food, uh, talked to her. She asked how I was doing. I was like, I'm not not doing great, kind of pissed. Wish uh, wish I could have kicked that the mountain's ass instead of mine, but we'll get over it. Uh, drove, got her home in time for her to get seven or so hours of sleep before work. Uh, then kind of just sat at home, uh, for the rest of the week. Cause at the time I was still working with Jeremy, sat at home, thought about everything. And I was like, ah, that I was still like, I still in my mind was like, it was just, it was just the mountain. I was just, I just, I was not prepared. I'll do better next time. We're gonna we're gonna keep going so, with this whole like hunting addiction I have. Yeah. So at that point, you weren't really positive on what was going on. You just were, or I didn't want to admit to myself or something. There was some there was some mental block. Yeah. I think in kind of speaking to this a little bit and dealing with this, like even personally, is that there's a point to which. You're wondering to yourself if this is normal or if this is just something that'll just kind of pass or if 
you know, if uh, let's be honest, it's pride. Like mm-hmm. pride as a prideful human being, you want to look at yourself, as, especially in your early twenties and maybe in your thirties. I haven't got there yet. Um, is like you don't want to admit that there's something wrong with you. Yeah, You're especially welcome. especially men. We have like whether society wants to admit it, men have been programmed in the last hundred years to be tough. Damn near invincible. Damn near invincible. No emotion. Can't admit that you're wrong. Can't admit that something's wrong. All that. And so, like, even when you start to feel like something's wrong, you still want to tell yourself, nah, it's, there's nothing going on. Yeah. But that for sure. So that was all happening. And I'm not going to take over too much here. But we get back. I get back from Colorado. And um, I dealt with, like not. I definitely dealt with this mentally poorly as well. Like again, just keep in mind he had no idea. I had no idea what was going on with Terrell. I actually thought for a while there, I thought I had done something to you. Like yeah. I thought you were mad at me, and we didn't really talk a whole lot for a little while there. Yeah, and like I actually. You know, kind of quit asking you to come hunting. I started, I mean, I hunted with Hunter a lot, which, bless Hunter. Like, uh, no one will actually ever understand the value of Hunter's friendship to me in the last year of my life. There have been so many moments where, between Terrell and uh, several other situations where I've had him, I've been able to go hunting with him, I've been able to talk to him outside of some of these other issues. And so I talked to him a lot about what was going on with Terrell because I was pissed. I straight up, like, I remember calling you coming down the mountain and just going, Terrell left. And I, I was angry. Like, I, I, I didn't understand it. I just was so annoyed, and neither me or John could put a, put a piece to or, like, figure out why it had happened. We knew that you'd struggled, but... So we were annoyed, and I didn't talk or ask Trail to hunt with me a whole lot when I got back. Yeah, spent a lot of time hunting with Hunter, gave ourselves some space, and then November comes around and we go to deer camp. Well, I we were at a job site, and deer camp came up, and I was I was like I literally asked I was like, hey, am I still invited to that? Because like I'll go, I'll definitely go if I'm invited because it's kind of our group thing. They were like, yeah, you can definitely go, but, I mean, just remember what happened last time. Yeah, you went on a trip. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that'll happen again. Like, I, I don't, that was just, that was just like a one over. That's yeah, the, I well, that's it. the thing I, I remember. So, Jeremy called me on the way back, and we were, like, discussing what was going on. And, like, his big thing and, like, kind of, like, conclusion, like, a conclusion to what our conversation was about is, like, it was hard. And he understood that. He he understood that part of it, and he understood the food part and the water part. His thing was, is like, okay, he could have a rest day. I can go hunting, and he can come with me. And, like, we've never had an issue with that in the past. Yeah. Like, we needed a rest day or morning or whatnot. We could do that. His thing was, like, something's just a not adding up. So, like, sorry. No, it's that, that part of it. So, like, yeah, jump well, back in what you're saying. And when we when we got back, the few times, because we worked together, and we had to, we did communicate it, but I wasn't like, you know, let's go do stuff and go hunting together. He told me it was mostly a physical issue. Yeah. Yeah. And which, 
admittedly angered me some because we'd been, I've been trying to get him to train since like June. Yeah, and I'm just <laughs> fat. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, yeah, I'm like, they were like, yeah, I'd come. Like you're obviously you're coming or you're invited to come if you want to go. I was like, I want to, I want to go. I want to, I want to pull the trigger on something because the only thing I had shot that year was a few ducks. So the time comes around, get all the food uh, sorted out, get all the travel plan crap sorted out, get down there uh, Friday. Yeah, we went down Friday. Yeah, we went down Friday because we know the area so well that we just kind of figured out where everyone was going to go. We didn't really have to scout it too incredibly hard. So Friday comes, we get down there, we set everything up. Uh, the, the we tent camper, then Micah and his dad drove down separately from the rest of the group. Am I correct? Right? It doesn't really matter, yeah. honestly. So they they show up uh, Friday night. We get all of our gear ready. Talk about where everyone's gonna go. Uh, then we go to bed, wake up, jump in. Uh, Joe's car because I didn't have my truck which was another kicker to my mental in my opinion jump in Joe's car go to my spot walk in with my brother we sat the morning morning portion of the hunt he I was he's never shot a deer I don't actually know if he's shot an animal has he? he shot a duck a couple okay. years well, ago I was trying like my main focus was he hasn't he hasn't killed anything. Let him shoot. So we he got a few shots off. I am I'm I don't know if he missed or if he just winged it. But we sit the morning portion. We go back to the camp for the afternoon. Uh, afternoon happens, probably took a nap or something stupid. Asked my brother if he wanted to go out again. He said no. Mike and his dad were like, hey. You saw deer out there uh, where you were sitting, right? I was like, yeah. They're like, all right, we'll go. Went out there, sat with them. We had two deer walk out, and that was that was the action. That was the meat of that entire, like, two hours that we sat in that spot. And walking home, walking home, walking to the vehicle, uh, I, was just, I was sitting there, I was thinking, I was like, what am I doing out here? Why am I out here? Like, couldn't couldn't get my brother to land a shot on a deer, which, I mean, he just needs more time behind the rifle. It's nothing I could do, but I was just irrationally thinking at the moment. I was like, couldn't get my, couldn't get my brother a deer. Couldn't get myself a deer, obviously, since I'm trying to get him. Like, what am I doing out here? This is, this is dumb. I'm wasting my time, essentially. And then we get, we're getting closer to the, the vehicle, I'm like, why? Why did? I, why am I hunting? Why did I? Why did I sell my bike? Why am I? Well, what's going on? Get everything in. Sit down. Pull out. And Micah goes, so you having a good time? And I go, no, I'm not. It's it's happening all over again. And he goes, what do you mean? And I just I I break down in the back of the truck. I was like. I'm not having fun. I what what is going on? Why am I not having fun with my favorite hobby? Like I look bikes, video games bottom, bikes middle, 
hunting. Like, why am I not having fun? I don't play video games anymore. I don't hunt. I don't bike. I got rid of my bike. Like, what am I doing? And I'm just bawling in the back seat. Like, what, what's wrong with me? What is so wrong with me that I can't figure my, my life out? And I call my mom. I go, hey, uh, I don't know. All right. I say, hey, does our insurance cover therapy? And she goes, yes. And I say, good, because I don't know what's wrong with me, but I just want to be fixed. I, I say that clearly now because I more like said, oh, I want to be fixed. Get back to camp. Me and Jeremy have a heart to heart over. Uh, okay, no, no, I don't So, <laughs> from my from my angle, like at this point, like I'm still I'm still a little annoyed about um no, uh Colorado with Terrell. In fact, I kind of had, if I'm real honest, I kind of had positioned myself and hunted with someone else because. Generally, a lot of times I hunt with Terrell. Yeah. He sits with me. We sit together and like profit. Yeah, and I was like, nah, I just can't do it. I need to. I need. I took a few other people. Had some buddies who one had never shot a deer before, another one who had only shot one. So, um, we went out and me and those guys. We sat all opening day. Like we we sat in one spot the entire day. So I had no idea really what was going on. I knew. I mean, Terrell and his brother sat across from me, so I knew what was going on with their shooting, and like, so I, I didn't know what was mentally happening with Terrell and me and another me and we had shot two deer. We got those deer out that night, and like, in the process of getting them skinned or skinned, field dressed and whatnot, Micah had texted me, and honestly, I, I mean, I I can just say it. I really didn't appreciate the way that he went about this, but it is what it is. He basically told me, hey, uh, don't say anything to Terrell. He's in a really bad spot. He's going home. And I went, what? Actually, no, he said, don't give Terrell a ration of crap. He's in a bad place. He wants to go home. And I just, I was like, what's going on? And then, like, my dad got in the truck. And he heard everything, and he kind of explained a little bit what was going on. And I started to, I'm mean, I'll be real honest. I started to cry on my way to camp. I was freaking out. I was like, I don't know what's going on with my best friend. Like, uh, Colorado's starting to make more sense now. And I was, I mean, I was just freaking out. And I was like, I'm gonna have a real conversation with him when I get to camp. Um, and I, we, we pull up to camp. Everyone's kind of just standing around. They're all getting ready to go. One other thing I didn't love that Micah did. He was like. Don't have a long conversation with Terrell because yeah. um, we're trying to get on the road. And I was like, I don't care. Uh, we should mention that they were leaving the uh, day after. Yeah, they were leaving that night. And Terrell and Jason were going to go with him, uh, with them. Jason. Yeah. And because they wanted, or Terrell wanted to go home. And yeah. So I literally roll up to camp. I put a few things in the camper. Mom, if you listen to this, sorry. I uh, I go to the cooler and I pull out a a clean bottle, a oh bottle, a bottle, so good. a bottle of wild turkey. Oh that man, I, not crown. I see. 
Big Red I, Hunters podcast big brought to you by Crown <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I see. I did wild, I did wild turkey because we had gotten it for Colorado if I shot an elk, and I hadn't opened it yet. Gotcha. And so I grabbed it. I walked over to trail. Let's walk. Let's have a talk. And we walked and talked. And I literally, like, we walked for a few minutes, and then I just, uh, just kind of pulled the bottle, opened it, and I said, you know, I saved this bottle for if I shot an elk in Colorado and we were going to drink this together. Not really the circumstances that I wanted it to, but you're going to tell me what's going on. And when you speak of mental health, when it comes to your brothers, because I think it's kind of odd, the hunting world, the way we talk to each other and communicate with each other. Am I wrong for saying it's kind of similar to like military life? I, I wouldn't know. I've never been in the yes, military, it, but I'd have to imagine. But like every every like every veteran I've been around, it's very similar. But like hunters are so ingrained with each other. Like we are brothers, and we care about each other a lot. Like those are your best friends in life. Like you would you do a lot for those people. Well, I would say like when I when you think of real life, you deal with stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like you work in a, a day in day out, but. The problem is, is that you don't experience that with someone else. Now, like for you guys, you experience it because you work together at the yeah. time. But like the issue, or not the issue, the thing is between like military brothers and like hunting brothers is you you experience the suck. Exactly. And that that's just a different part of the relationship. Like it's a negative thing that you could turn into a positive that like really enhances that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so like I was, you know, we were talking. We, like, Terrell and I at times, we fall under the standard male perception that, you know, don't talk about your feelings. It's very hard sometimes to talk for about feelings, but... I for, generally for, don't talk about he, my feelings. Yeah, he, he struggles with it more than I even do. And I was so fed up with Colorado and everything, and, like, I was hurting from that, that, like, that just took it over the top for me, and I was like, we got to figure out what's going on, homie, because I'm worried about you. And we, we, we went for a solid walk, and we talked. It was probably uh, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it, it was long enough that Micah was calling me like, hey, we need to go, and I was I still was like, I don't care. But um, they weren't going to leave without me. All my stuff no. was in there. <laughs> like, what are they going to do? But we walked around. I got a real good understanding that you basically didn't want to hunt anymore. You didn't, you you wanted to, but you didn't enjoy it. And I, though I was worried about you, I definitely respect it because I think there is also an issue with hunters where there are people that just like to kill stuff and like, they may not enjoy it, but they just, it's, you get to, you get to use the firearm you purchased. It has a purpose. Yeah. And I, I think if you're not enjoying it, you shouldn't do it. But, like, being on my side of this fence and looking at Terrell's issue, it was so weird because of the fact that Terrell loves to hunt. We talk about hunting several times a week. Yeah. And, like, what we want to do in the future. and where stop work progress and just talk <laughs> about hunting. Yeah. <laughs> there have been days where we've been working. We you know start talking about an idea hunting wise and like no more work's getting done (laughs) and that's me trail and my dad we all work together or used to work together but um so it was kind of odd to see and i remember saying i was like i mean 
going into my personal life, I've started seeing a counselor in the last year, and I think it's a very productive thing and is really important. And I literally told Terrell, I know you don't like this, but you should talk to somebody. And he had already talked to his mom and was like, I've already got it scheduled. Yeah. And like and I used to, Jeremy used to talk about, oh, when we would talk on the job side, just about anything in general with people having hardships, he'd be like, well, everybody could benefit from therapy. And I'd say some dumb shit like, yeah, but I'm not going to do that because nobody really benefits from therapy. Like it's, you don't need therapy. You just need to get over the problem. I was that dude. Then everything came crashing down around me very fast. But yeah, yeah, that's that's that. Well, I think that with the idea of pride and like bravado, when it comes to dealing with some something, you especially like this is like you like okay, you break your arm. You don't see that as a weakness. You just see it as a broken arm. You fix it. You see, and not everybody, but like most males look at mental issues as a a weakness. It's what we've been taught. And you're not supposed to have weakness. Like you're supposed to show no weakness. You're supposed to be no weakness. So you just get over it. Yeah. And like it's one thing to have a broken arm. You could just heal. It eventually heals itself. With being sick, eventually, most cases, you get, you become healthy, you know? Yeah. And you can get a prescription, you're fine. But mental health, very, very rarely, if it gets to that that point, is it just going to fix itself. Yeah. And that's the thing is, at some point, you have that, that, that I don't want to say cliff moment, but that cliff moment where it's like, my life's kind of falling apart. I, I got I to gotta do something. Mm-hmm. And like the big thing is, is like you just sit there and tell yourself or ask yourself, <laughs> how can I become normal again? Like, I would just want to be myself. And like, yeah. you remember that point where, you know, you remember memories or whatever. Like, I just felt good. Like, this enjoy. Like, but nothing, nothing of this makes sense. Yeah, I was on the way back. I was just sitting, like staring at nothing. Like, I don't remember what it's like to be happy. I don't remember. I don't feel. I don't feel like I am. I don't feel like. I don't remember what it's like to be Terrell. I, I just sat there. My brain just ate me up. Like nothing, nothing's right. Nothing will ever be right. Why continue? Like you're 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 just gonna exist pretty much from here on out. And I was like, I got got the wife, well, almost wife. Got the friends. Not no longer being there isn't an option, so something has to change. This and this kind of going into what I kind of like started this conversation with. There's people that have that that moment, and there's there's a lot of people that don't have friends like you do that were able to go through that system with you, and being able to encourage you in the right direction. I think that that step off moment for you is a step off moment for a lot of people that 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 want to end things because it's one of those things where if you deal with it long enough, you start to think to yourself, this is the new normal. I can't control it. There's nothing that I'm doing that makes sense. That's, that's when they get to the point where they start thinking about ending it. That or they obviously get into things that 
you know, like alcohol or drugs or whatever mm-hmm. else that they can get into to make them feel somewhat normal or try to get away from it. And that eventually drives them to that point. So like, I just want to say, just taking a moment from this, um, is that if you, if you're feeling like that, um, if you're listening to this, you're like, man, that's me. There's a couple of things. I need you to reach out to one of your family or friends and talk to them about what's going on with you. Uh, seek professional help. Um, I'm not, no, I'm no professional. And I can tell you right now, Jeremy and I would be glad to talk to you. hundred percent. Instagram, DM, phone call. I don't care. Like just reach out. I'd love to talk to you. Obviously I have no, I, I don't want you to end things. Um, I'm no professional, but I, I'm, I'm here to listen and that's what I'm here to do. So, you know, if you need to talk to somebody, reach out to us. So we, we all go through periods in our life, especially as men where we have giant questions. Um, and like we need to talk to people. Actually, I mean, we're like, so I completely agree with Hunter. If you ever need somebody to reach out, you need somebody, you know, to either just throw everything that's happening at you because sometimes it is nice to talk to somebody who has no idea what's going on in your life. And, you know, that seems weird, but it's the concept of having a counselor. They don't know you personally until you start talking to them a lot. And, like, being able to say what's on your mind, what's going on, just talking about it really helps a lot. And... So feel free. I agree with Hunter. If you if you are looking for somebody to talk to, message us or talk to your family, talk to your friends, the people that care about you around you. And if you are in a position where you feel like you don't have people like that, seek a professional. I'm I'm dead serious. Like you got a man to man or man to woman, whatever it is. Like we got to help each other. You can't you can't just ignore the issues. I, it's kind of tried. Trell tried, and I don't want to say it like saying that it's funny is not the right way to put it. It's interesting from my eyes watching this whole situation that happened with Terrell, um, because almost a year ago, I actually was in the same position that Terrell was in. Yeah, like. Now, I had very different issues than Terrell. I didn't lose my joy for hunting. I had other personal issues that made my desire for hunting disappear. And as somebody who loves to hunt, honestly, you did it the right way. You did it the way that I think you should. If you are having ever an issue like this, step away from what you what is bothering you. Seek some help. You may not dislike that anymore it's just that you have so many other things that you're dealing with and you need to you need to seek some guidance on how to process that um not to go on a little bit of a rant here i just that is the reality of it because i can safely say since you've gotten help i mean you start you start talking about hunting all the time we're both excited for turkey season at this point (laughs) (laughs) i got went back Waited till the start of the year because of that uh, clutch insurance reset. <laughs> Sometimes the tactical advantages are at your use. Waited till the end of the year. Got the, uh, found the uh, uh, therapist. There we go. Went, I've gone 
2012-ish, roughly, times. A few cancellations, but, I mean, it's worked for me. It's worked. Uh, she just sits there, and I uh, scream into the void, and then she <laughs> says, well, what about this? And I go, oh, I guess that makes sense. And then I try the thing that she said to try, and then it works. And, like, I, you can be on either end of the spectrum on this, but I tried the pills. I tried the depression pills, and it worked for about a week and a half. And then I skipped one pill one day, and I just, I haven't felt this normal and happy a long time. Yeah, maybe over a year. Like, I feel good. Like, there, life is stressful. Everything is stressful, especially with weddings. You, you, elope. Um, don't, don't take that seriously. <laughs> seriously. Take that seriously. Oh, oh, take, <laughs> take that, that very seriously. seriously. <laughs> don't do weddings during the fall, during hunting season. Hey, <laughs> we're going hunting hours before my wedding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> uh, and life is stressful. But it's better now. Like I'm not, I'm not in a hole anymore. It's it feels good, bro, bro. <laughs> no, I, you you can be on either end of that. Take the pill or don't. And there's there are multiple ways to get yourself back to feeling like you. Yeah, absolutely. No, I hear you, man. And that's the twenty. 21 Terrell Chronicles. <laughs> so I want to bring in another facet of this that I think is very important. Um, professional help is a great thing. Uh, if you need medication, obviously the professionals can help you with that part of it. I think that for me, I, I want to bring another facet in this, and I kind of say this forewarning because I know not every, everybody's a Christian, but that's what I, I feel like is very important here. For me, at least personally, and I... I we can kind of get a little farther into that too. But like, if you're not a Christian, if you have faith, this kind of, I guess, in some ways connects with you. But I think this is a large part of this conversation. Um, so if you don't have a religion, feel free to jump off at this point. Appreciate you guys listening to this. Uh, for those that are Christian or want to listen to this rest of this part is, I think, another facet of dealing with mental stress um, in general is your relationship with Christ. Um, and I, I want to talk about this a little bit personally because dealing with some of these health issues I've got, um, I'm the type of person that's very logical. Like I deal with things, I, I process things logically. You know, duck hunting I love because it's like almost like, almost like a chess match. Mm-hmm. And when things don't make sense or I can't put control to them, you know, if I'm broke, I can work hard, I can make money. Yeah. I got something that's broken. I can fix it. But with health issues, one of those things like, especially one of those things like depression or anxiety, there is no logic to it. There's nothing. There's nothing you can really do about it. And there's times that anxiety or depression that pops up that makes zero sense. You know, I've been out doing stuff with customers that I have a great relationship with. Like I'm friends with them. But yet, stuff like that pops up, and it just absolutely wrecks your world. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I think for me, personally, like, I feel like this keeps coming to my mind. So I'm going to say, Matthew 6, 34. 
it's been one of my favorite verses even since I was a teenager, but like, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious for tomorrow because there's enough things to be anxious for today. I probably botched that, whatever, but like, it basically comes down to let go, let God have your stress and your anxiety and worry about what's going on today and in the present and be present. And I remember us having a conversation, like even a few weeks ago, I was dealing with some of these mm-hmm. things and all the, the stress that I had going on. And I'm just sitting there talking to you about it and, you know, talking about this a little bit. Like, man, if you don't have a buddy in your life that really can, you can really just get into the crap with, like, I hate to say it, but you're missing out. And, like, I know building those type of relationships are really hard, but really I would I would strongly suggest trying to find somebody like that. And I'm not saying, like, unload your stuff on everybody, but, like, man, it makes a huge difference to have somebody like that. But, like, so I was talking about all the stresses I had going on in my life at the time. And, like, something that you said to me spoke to me for weeks. He's like, you said something like, you know, something that God keeps telling me in the moment is just let go and just. I think the big thing, I, rem- I remember that night. The, I remember because it's, it's funny I said it to you, but at the same time as I was saying it, it's like I needed to hear it as well. Like yeah. you say something and you're like, oh, dang, I said that to you, but I needed to hear it too. I was talking about how in my life I'm having one, like I have, I've been having those times where. I felt like God is just telling me to sit and wait and just be patient. Um, Cause I mean, I remember you got, you guys were trying to figure out, I'm not going to out you too much, but you guys were worrying about the house yeah, and that whole situation. And, um, and it's funny because I tell you that and then what, like a week later it all got resolved. Yeah. I mean, and then your heart, what's been going on with you health wise <laughs> not the heart attack but actually it's been funny on again on my end after yeah. i said that to you like <laughs> it's funny because like as we progressed through time after i said that all the things that you were worried about just came together the way you'd you'd hoped essentially yeah and i'm kind of rambling a touch but i completely agree with hunter and hunter's making a valid point that when it doesn't really feel like there's a great answer and i struggle with it from time to time making sure that i go back and making sure that i keep that solid relationship but ultimately having a strong relationship with christ Man, it'll get you through some tough things. It really, really well. And I don't know that I actually really need to say much more than that. It just will. It it sounds so odd, but like everyone at this table has been through some some deep times, I would say. And I know personally I've definitely been pulled up by growing that relationship with God. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, man. It's one of those things that like 
you don't know your faith until it's tested. Mm-hmm. And mentally is one of the biggest ways that you could be tested because it's like, you know, you take it and take it in this perspective. You know, for me, I had health problems or presumably, and like it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I have faith in God. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. But like, I, it was looking back, you kind of chuckle, but like at the time, like, I had I was so wound up so tight that like I was honestly thinking like I could die mm-hmm. from what I was going through. This man was a wreck. I'm not and, gonna lie. Like I was so wrapped up in what was going on that like you start processing your life and like what it would look like to die. And it's like, dude, I like I have faith in God, but like, do I really have faith in God? Yeah. <laughs> like, do I really have faith in what Jesus did? And it's like working through that process and it's like a part of the anxiety is a fear of something and each person has fear in a different way or what they're going to lose or whatever but like one of my fears was fear was dying like as a logical person like i believe in jesus what he did and what what's going to happen but it's like do i really do i really believe that do i really have faith in that and it's one of those things where god like had to move in and process that faith. And I've obviously grown in that, that region. And like, now it's like in a, in a health way, like obviously we've, you know, kind of talking to listeners, I've bounced around this a lot, but like, I thought I had heart issues, like significant heart issues and it ends up being, everything's fine. Like I walk in, I do a stress test and like, they're like, Oh, the chance of you dying of heart issues is like, 99.9% 99.9% not going to happen. Like, you're super healthy and you're fine. And even then, like, I'm still wound up. <laughs> and, uh, like, processing that's like, well, you know, what if I, my fear of dying, like, who cares if I die at this point? Like, dude, I'd, you know, if I really have faith in what's what's happening here, then I get to be with Jesus. Like, what is better than that? And so processing that, that was huge for me. Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously we're completely <laughs> off track. But, like, mentally, each person has to process things differently. And the the crazy thing about Scripture, like, the your faith is, like, man, there's things that people say to you that, like, ha- maybe maybe in that situation doesn't even have that much meaning to them. In that situation it did, but, like, was just like I was listening to a worship song that said the exact same words you did, mm-hmm. dude. I like talk about mind boggling and like break your world up. Like, did that really just happen? And then you process the whole situation. It's like, <laughs> holy crap, you know. And so, my obviously my faith has grown a lot in that in that situation. And so. Yeah, and to tie it back to mental health a little more, if you are that friend that has that strong or a stronger relationship with Christ, I remember this the night we were at deer camp. Um, one of the things that I said to Terrell, which uh, while well, we were, sheesh, all right, I son, taking it off <laughs> the, of the mental health podcast. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um. While we were walking around um, having a heart-to-heart, me and Terrell at deer camp, one of the things I said to him, and 
it's something that I've struggled with my entire life, but like last year of my life has really made me see it. I remember telling him I I, I kind of was like struggling to get it out because like I I had tears rolling down my face. I was worried about my best friend, and I just kind of was like, man, I don't want to sound cliche, but give it to God, give the situation to God. Trell grew up in the same same church, same family with me. Like he, yeah. he's been through all this. We went to the same private school. I mean, we God, God has been an important role in our lives. Our like since the beginning. And when we're in those down moments, sometimes we do forget to rely on God. And I, I, I mean, I like to think that it helped. And you, you definitely told me you'd been praying about it and that you had definitely been bringing it to God. But sometimes we just need that reminder. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like the way that God speaks to you doesn't doesn't always process with you the same way, but it gets through, mm-hmm. whether it be through other people or like after that night we did that podcast and I was just, yeah, I was losing it. I really was emotionally, mentally. Um, we did the podcast and <laughs> like my wife is kind of getting after me and stuff. And like, I was, I was reading my Bible that evening and that night and like, you know, I had a still small voice that just said, it's okay. And I'm just like, I'm just sitting there thinking like, that was not me. What the heck? Like, but at the same time, like that really put me at, put me at ease mm-hmm. and like, you know, I, I was, I, I was worked up for the next day the, the, when I went to the doctor's office, but I felt like I, everything was going to be okay. And it was, I don't know, man, the way that, the way that God works is mysterious, but man, he works, he works for the good of us. Mm-hmm. He works, he works. So. It's very true. I want to kind of transition to this, um, especially, you know, all of his, all of us dealing with this. If you're asking yourself, you know, maybe not, you're not dealing with something and maybe you're seeing a friend deal with something, you know, what, I guess asking both of you, what's the best way to help, you know, as a friend? <laughs> that was goes. That was good. <laughs> I was supposed to be silent. So Jeremy knows he's supposed to go first. Um, too late for that. <laughs> oh, I guess it just really, I mean, it really depends on what kind of a friend you have. Um, See, I'm a person that, like, I'm a talker, and when I see people down or dealing with something, like, I want to know what's going on with them. I want to know, I want to let them know that that I'm there. Um, If you've got a friend that you feel like is going through something, and um. You guys share a certain hobby in particular. I I have, feel like I have to say this. The reason that we are talking about this whole situation, obviously because of trail, but it's it was such a big concern because like all of us at this table, our hobby, our shared hobby, is the outdoors. And so when somebody in your like in this situation, trail doesn't like the outdoor, didn't like the outdoors anymore, and was you know worrying about that. So we took the effort to make sure that he was okay, he took his time, yada, yada. If you have somebody that you share a deep passion with and that you are, like, you know, really close to and that you see is struggling, and maybe even not, 
invite them to go do something one on one. I mean, don't make it don't make it weird. But like all right. I'll open up Hunter opened up about his heart issue. Trail opened about his thing and I'll I'll use this as my reference a little bit. Um Okay. I'll just keep it straight. Jump in, boys. Last last (laughs) spring, right before turkey season, I went through a massive breakup. Thought that was going to be the one, if you you know, and catch my drift. And reality is, it revolved around hunting, yada yada. So, I talked about how I was in the same position that Terrell was last spring. Um, I love turkey hunting. I've talked about it on this podcast. I was super excited about it, and Terrell. Un, I think unintentionally played this out perfectly. Um, I, you'll, you'll understand once I'm done saying this. We went on a turkey hunt. We had a great day by all standards. Fantastic day in the turkey woods. I was able to harvest a beautiful yeah. tom out from under Trell's uh-huh. nose. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he was still a little sad about that one, but we'll get you on this spring, bud. Oh, we'll get it this spring and because my the you know what was going on in my personal life and the the revolving around hunting um man it like i didn't really want to hunt anymore myself i still loved to hunt but i was like man it hurts too much but like as we were driving back you remember that yeah we stopped at casey's trolling and got some casey's pizza i got some gas casey's pizza is the perfect hunting <laughs> snack. <laughs> if you want to die yeah, at 40. <laughs> I don't care, bro. I'll die tomorrow if this case is full. Uh, but I got gas, got back in the truck, and I was definitely, even for somebody who had just successfully harvested, you know, your quarry, what you were after, what you try so hard to get, I was like, I was down in the dumps and Trell just goes, you want to talk about it? And I just unleashed. That's all he said. We were out doing what we both love to do. And he saw an opportunity to be like, what's going on now? He knew everything that was going on, but just him giving my opening that door for me to just unload. It meant the world actually like, being able to talk about everything, same as I feel I would assume you felt when we were at deer camp. It was nice. Just being able to. It was hard, but it was nice. I know that we angled this podcast towards men mostly, but I'm sure that in some ways that this can go along the same lines for women as well. But men in particular, like we feel like we can't open up until we're given that perfect opportunity to open up. And that is because of how society has kind of taught us over the last century to just suck it up and, you know, be men. But we went out hunting. He saw the opportunity. He saw that I was down, even though I should have been really happy. And he asked what was going on. I opened up. He was going through things. We went for a walk. I asked him what was going on. We talked about it. You were going through things. We talked about it. You know, brought God into the picture as well. And the funny thing is, oh my goodness, you know, this sounds really, really 
no, this is full circle here. Because you know what you said to me that day? No. no you don't remember. So what, you don't remember what you said to me that day. But he, we talked about everything that what was going on, and you told me. You basically were like, you know, I don't always understand what God is going to say in my life, but you actually told me to stay still. Yeah. He no, he really much. did. That's crazy. I can't believe that that just I came s- up. That- <laughs> I said something like, usually when God wants you to know something, you don't know it at the moment or something like that. You just have to kind of wait. Yeah. And you really, that, oh, that was crazy. See, full <laughs> on the Big Red Hunters Mental Health Podcast, sponsored by Crown, apparently. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of shaking that, like, bother, like, not bothers me, but that's just the full circle of that, honestly, is crazy. Yeah. But, so I guess, long story short, get, get that, get a person that you're worried about, whether you take them out to lunch, you take them on a, a joined hobby, maybe even take them out for something they've never done before, and like just hunting. do it. Yeah, hunting, fishing. I've had a lot of good moments on a boat with people before. Like, um, just get get them alone. Don't get them in a group and be like, "Hey, we know something's wrong with you." <laughs> like, yeah. they're not gonna want to open up. You gotta. I mean, you gotta keep it personal, basically. Yeah, you gotta show that you care and that you're worried about them. And if they don't want to open up, then don't just force them to open it up open up about it just let them know that you're there and that you're worried about them and that you care and you want to see them happy because i mean i even from a male's perspective i don't know a single guy that wouldn't want to hear that that would not want to hear that yeah well is a male a lot of times when you get in those mental states you honestly feel and believe and this is you know, it's the work of the devil. Like, man, he when he gets you in that spot, Amen. He wants to get you alone. He wants mm. you to make feel make you feel like the whole world is against you, and like you don't. Even if your friends are trying to be nice or whatnot, like your your mental state says, like they don't really care. Mm-hmm. Like, man, they all they 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 don't they really don't care. Like they they really don't know what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. And like every everything's against me. Sorry, I think we're all just kind of melting in the moment. Yeah. I, dude, I'm my brain is straight up spinning on the full circle of that. I well, here's my here's my take on Hunter's last question, which was gotta ask it again. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, I mean, in that situation, how? How best can a friend help you? Okay. Pretty much like what what I did with Jeremy. If you see something, or even if you know about it, or uh, previous, say something. It was, uh, Jeremy could have just been sat in the truck and wallowed in what was sadness. All of I hadn't been. You want to talk about it? And he would have just bottled it up a little more for a little longer. I believe you would have gotten help eventually, like what you did. Yeah, but I mean, both me and Jeremy know of one kid at least who followed through with it, who mm-hmm. actually killed himself or herself or they self. Like, I mean, that's one of those situations. They always say the people you have to worry about are the people that don't show it. Yep. And he 
that they, you know, it's, if you see, if you can see that something's wrong, say something about it. Say, like, like that's that's just what I say. I just say, you want to talk about it? Yep. And then they talk about it. You want to talk about it? Nope. Okay, well, I'm here when you do. And, or I can find somebody. It's not, it's not hard to find therapists or people who can help. You say, I can, I can find people for you. Uh, if they, if you suspect something else bigger is going on, test, if you're in school, tell a teacher. If you know the person personally, tell the parents. They might hate you in the moment, but it will be worth it. Yeah. Tell their wife, tell their fiance, tell their brother, tell somebody. If you think something bad's going to happen, be there for the person. That's because uh, you might not have a chance again to do it. Mm-hmm. I think the two things that I, I kind of think of when you say that is, uh, here's the thing is like, I hear this from especially like military guys and I, I'm not trying to beat on them or anything, but like, you know, you hear military guys that just say, Hey, like if you guys ever need someone to talk to reach out to me. Which is a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. like we we said on this podcast, that's a great thing. I think that something that you said that you kind of tag along with is the word that comes to mind is intentional. Like, mm-hmm. what are you intentionally doing to show that you care or you want that person to open up? Because, like, is you someone in that mental state that says no one cares about me? Like, the like someone who just says, like, hey, if you, you know, like, Man, if you need to talk some about something like passively, you just like does he really care? Or is he just saying that to be nice? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the mindset you get into. So like we're talking about like taking somebody out or doing something like that. That really that intentionality really shows up, um, and that that's something that I would you know be encouraged by you know. And the other part of it I want to say is that kind of like piggybacking what you said is like assessing that situation and like kind of feeling it out like you kind of get an idea where that person's at being objective like if you really think that that person is in line and on that path to end things like one of the things that I've learned from my wife she's a nurse is like you really think that someone's going to do it like you just straight up ask it like are you thinking about ending things and don't be scared to because a lot of times, like, those people that are in that situation, they're being silent is a cry for help, and they're willing to talk about it. But, like, you really have to bust through that vacate of, like, no one cares. And, like, you just being bold and just brash sometimes, that's some of the best way. Not, mm-hmm. al- not always the best way, but if they're really getting to that point, like, they're screaming, but you can't hear it because it's in silence. So just be aware of that. And, like, man, it's a, just remember everybody, like, it's a tough world out there, and, like, dealing with some of this stuff, really, <laughs> it's not, not fun. Mm-mm. No. So, well, I think, I I guess I don't have anything else. Do you guys have anything else? 800-273-8255 is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If somebody listening to this right now thinks they might do it, don't. Call them or uh, step out of your comfort zone. Ask somebody you know. It's not worth it. I can promise anyone who's going through something like that, there's people 
no matter what you're going through, there's going to be people that don't want you to go. So it, it's better to seek help. And if you are on the other end where you see somebody who's struggling, it's better even... I, I actually don't remember which one of you said it. It is exactly right. That person may not like you at the end of the day, but if you... If you do everything in your power to try and make sure that person seeks the help that they need, it, at the end of the day, uh, it's more valuable than any any potential friendship that you could have. So, not to sound cliche, but every every su- uh, suicide attempt survivor always said that in the moment they regretted what they were doing. So just take that as it is. Probably the last thing I want to bring up is uh, I've said on the podcast before, and we kind of talked about it in this podcast, is the fact that if you if you feel like no one else is around you uh, that cares or – and I, I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's personal, mental. Maybe it's stuff you've done. I don't know. But here's the fact. There's God that came down – was fully man and fully human named Jesus Christ that uh, came to this earth and came for you, not not anybody else. He came for you to die on the cross. He died, was murdered, and rose in three days and defeated death in order to give you life. I know that each guy at this table could tell you that it doesn't make sense. The peace that you get from him doesn't make sense. The way he works in your life doesn't make sense. But what I can tell you is each guy at this table has felt the love, the passion, the peace, and his general care for everything you do in your life and that he's changed our lives and he can change yours. Um, and I, in a lot of ways, I'm doing a crappy job of explaining it, but I, I know that the one thing that he wants you to know today is that he loves you. And that if you accept his sacrifice and uh, walk away from walk away from your sins and accept his love, that man he can he can change everything. So just know that. And uh, I know this is kind of a heavy heavy topic and a lot different than what we don't normally do on on podcasts. But I think it it's trying to shine a light that not at not everything's a um, a polished silver that. Not everything is great and that we can hunt all the time and that hunting's perfect and that we're all happy all the time. That's just not the case, man. There's crap out in the world that really sucks and that, man, it really takes a toll on your mental state and you as a person. So just remember, man, there's there's guys out there. You're, there's family. There's guys. We care about you. And I can tell I promise you Jesus cares about you, man. He talks basically a whole freaking there's a whole book about how much he cares for you. So that's all that's all we've got today. You guys have anything before we get off here? That hasn't been said already. <coughs> Love you, bud. Love you, bud. <laughs> Love you, bud. <laughs> all right, guys. I appreciate you guys uh, listening to this podcast. And uh, like I said, if you need someone to talk to, DM us, whatever, mm-hmm. and we'll get in contact with you. So. All right, everybody, appreciate you listening to this, and uh, thanks for listening to Big Red Hunters podcast. Have a good night.